to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. I'm Dylan. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season two, episode four, Inca Mummy Girl. (laughs) One announcement and one add-on from last week. Well, more like a pseudo announcement and add-on is our announcement is really just, yay, Dylan! Woohoo! I finally get to talk to Dylan, too. Super I know. Nice. I feel like the grandma from Titanic right now, all like, it's been 84 years. <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully the planets are aligned and uh, we'll see a little bit more of Dylan moving forward in the season. And just to remind everyone, if you ever need more Dylan in your life, you can check out Plot What Plot, our sister podcast that he does with the lovely Hallie Rose, who Ooh. happens to be my English mom, and Crumpet <laughs> Aintree, who I think they're just torturing at this point. Poor, yes. poor, poor Crumpet. That's what she gets. <laughs> I mean, sh- did she know what she was getting into when she joined she the She signed of you? up for this. She fully <laughs> I, signed up for this. Did she sign up for this, sign up for this, or did she sign up for this by living with Hallie? I think a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. <laughs> or I think maybe like, yes, she signed up, <laughs> signed up for it, but did she actually know what she was signing up for? I'm going to go with yes. Okay. <laughs> if we could get Crumpet to weigh in on this. <laughs> I'll ask her next time we record. There you go. Just be like, the girls are very concerned about you. We we are. We are. I haven't met you yet. And I'm very concerned because I have met Dylan and Hallie. We are delightful. You shut your whore mouth. I'm not saying you're not delightful. I'm just saying Mm. I've met you. Mm. Rude. (laughs) Okay. So for our add-on, as you know, we named last week's episode Die Hard School, which was the Japanese title for the Buffy episode we discussed. Well, that's actually not just a fun title. It's a nod to the fact that School Hard itself is a play on Die Hard. Yes. And that some elements of the plot, like Buffy crawling around in the ceiling, (laughs) are indeed meant to mimic the movie. Yes, that's fantastic. So I just, yeah, I found that later. And then I was like, oh, I need to add that. Because that episode title always bothered me <laughs> yeah no it it does make sense when you realize that in the actual like the title actually references the movie so yeah i never thought much about the title yeah <laughs> just, just... <laughs> Inca Mummy Girl. Its air date was October 6th, 1997, and it was still a Monday. And I was still seven. Oh, God. Is this how <laughs> you do this? <laughs> oh, see, this is what happens when you're here. You remind us of how old we are. You're welcome. He's one of the youths. See, we, and see, when you're not here, Mary and I just talk about how old we are and how young you are. So it just happens all the time. <laughs> I win. It's never far from our hearts. No. <laughs> My soul dies a little every time. So our synopsis is an exchange student turns out to be a revived and ravenous mummy with an eye for Xander. Okay, I feel like this description <laughs> is the opposite of last week's. Yeah. <laughs> like this is just straight to the point. Nothing yeah. misleading, nothing ambiguous, just 
here you go. This is what's happening. Yep. And like some assembly required, this is another episode that pays homage to a classic monster. This one obviously being the mummy. And like with some assembly required, we'll go over a few parallels and nods to the source material at the end. Yay. For now, Froggy, what are our international titles? So the international titles for this week, a lot of them aren't that fun. Most of them are some play on either Inca Mummy Girl or Inca Mummy. But in German, we do have The Secret of the Mummy. Ooh. Hungarian is Inca Princess. Italian, The Chosen One. That makes sense. And Hmm. we'll go with the... Japanese is Inca Empire Mummy Princess. <laughs> Inca Empire Mummy. I mean, you cover it all right there. Yeah, you got it all. <laughs> and then we got Romanian is just Mummy Girl. Yeah. Okay. Boring. Yeah. Okay. I think Chosen One might be my favorite because it works on a lot of levels. Yeah. Yeah. Because it all because also the parallels between Buffy and Ampata. So that's, yeah. that's a good mm-hmm. one. Yep. So again, no previously on, but we do still have our short Slayer spiel done by Giles. And it's once again field trip time as we begin our episode at Sunnydale's Natural History Museum. Really odd thing (laughs) for a small town to have, but okay. This isn't a small town. They just refuse to accept the merger that turned Buffydale into (laughs) the city that it is. So they are trying to pretend like it is a sleepy little hamlet like it once was. Oh, okay. So we got the zoo. We got a natural history museum. We've got the art gallery that Joyce steals from. from. (laughs) Um, We've got the university. It's don't forget the small child nightclub. I was just about to say the small child nightclub, nightclub. which Kevin is going to design T-shirts for us. Yes. So excited about that. So in real life, this museum is actually located in Los Angeles near the University of Southern California. (laughs) Buffy, Willow, and Xander make their way inside talking about the school's cultural exchange program and how Joyce apparently signed up for it without telling her daughter. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing after Buffy's lack of communication about parent-teacher night, Joyce is just now going out of her way to make sure she gets school announcements. You know what? you blame her? As a mom, I can tell you, that's going to be me. (laughs) I mean, I'm signed up for all the emails already. I get all the emails. I'm not even the parent of a high schooler and I'm already getting events from the high school and I'm like oh this is something that I could sign the tadpole up for. <laughs> yes but you gotta remember this is the 90s. They were not yet emailing parents. This is very true. That is very no. true. So she, yeah, she's definitely gone out of her way to make sure that she keeps in, in touch with everything. She is petty and I love it. I know. I love Joyce so much. It's clear Buffy didn't give her this information. <laughs> <laughs> So Joyce now has a friend in the front office. That's what you do. You make friends with the secretary. Yeah. So I got, what is the front office lady at Sunnydale High? We could just talk about the faculty of Sunnydale High all day. (laughs) I'm picturing Miss Selbo from Bob's Burgers. I can see it. Anyway, Buffy is not loving the idea of a stranger in her house for two whole weeks. She says it runs the risk of making her a crazy person, a danger to herself and others. Xander, on the other hand, is a fan of the exchange program, calls it a beautiful melding of two cultures. (laughs) Buffy asks if he's ever done an exchange program, and he says his dad once tried to give him to some Armenians. (laughs) 
about this. Because in the script, the word is sell. <laughs> Xander's dad tried to sell him <laughs> to, to some the Kardashians. I, I guess. I don't know. Like, Xander's, what the fuck? Fa- Xander's family is a fucking mess. I mean, Xander's family yes, is are. a fucking mess. Like, I would not be surprised that they would try to sell Xander. But can we just admit that Xander would make a great Kardashian? Uh, he would. Yes. He very much would. Yes, he would be so fancy. <laughs> but he would. The fanciest Xander. I would watch that. I would watch, like, because Xander is Xander. So it mm-hmm. has to be Buffy Xander. Not like. Xander being raised by the Kardashians and turning <laughs> into them. He has to be Xander, but in the Kardashian family. So oh, he's yes. still with his sense of humor and commentary. That show would be hilarious if we had <laughs> Xander on there. That show would be the best. As they head up the front steps, we see a banner advertising the museum's exhibit on the treasures of South America. Inside, Cordelia is showing a picture of her exchange student, Sven, to a few of the Cordettes, reveling in the fact that for two weeks, she'll have a very attractive Swedish boy staying in her house. Okay. (laughs) I've heard a lot of people complain about Xander's behavior in this episode. Yep, yep. But I'm going to offer the highly unpopular opinion that Cordelia's behavior is worse. As she seems to be treating the exchange student roster like a mail order bride catalog. Yep. To the point where, as the conversation continues, she tells Buffy that she's living on the edge for not making sure her exchange student is visually appealing. Now, this is not to say I don't love Cordelia. Y'all know I do. We, know. we, we all love, love Cordy. We love Cordy. Mm-hmm. But we all love Xander. Yes. And I'm just saying, if we're going to talk about the not so great behavior, then we need to discuss all of it. It's not just fixate on one character because we have decided we don't like him. Yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole double standard. You know, when oh, it really is. Yeah, it's I don't even know that the the exchange program had a book that you could choose from. That's what I was going to ask. I mind you, I never did any of I that never bullshit. Did either. But we had but like, I mean, we had exchange students, but yeah. I don't think the people actually picked except for like i know that in in our case at least female students got a female exchange student male students got a male exchange student because Mm -hmm. they didn't want any kind of international babies hinky things happening you know you don't want to don't want to run the risk of anything so ours we did do exchange and obviously i went to an all-girls school so it was all female students no matter what and it was with our sister schools throughout the globe yeah yeah i remember our friend jess went to ireland i don't remember i think we had an exchange student from france one year but again i think it was they applied to do the program and then basically at assembly you're asked who would be interested in hosting them yeah Mm -hmm. and you have to talk to your parents and then you talk to the school and it's basically whoever has the best setup to host this person it wasn't like yeah you didn't get like a whole thing catalog (laughs) to pick out of yeah yeah that's that's the other thing about that whole scene with cordelia talking about buffy running the risk of picking somebody who's not visually appealing like it's just so weird because i didn't think we had an exchange student catalog (laughs) i didn't think we did either but whatever sunnydale's a weird place i mean yeah suspension of disbelief we talk about it all the time but we do some some of like the real world concepts are just a little weird (laughs) 
But speaking of Xander, he's not loving the idea that the exchange student that will be staying with Buffy is a man, as in has man parts. <laughs> Suddenly, the whole melding of cultures doesn't seem so beautiful. In fact, he says there should be no melding. Everyone should keep their parts to themselves. Oh, sweet, sweet Xander. See, that's no. exactly what I was saying about making sure. I mean, again, it doesn't discount, you know, lesbians and, and gay people. But, you know, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. OK. But also, I just like poor Xander just does ne- not understand that there will never be any melding between he, him and Buffster. I know. And I mean, and he does. He does get to that point. Oh, no, he does. Later. But- but, it just takes him so uh, long. Because he's a teenage boy and teenage boys are dumb. Too long. <laughs> so dumb. So dumb. We love him. Buffy looks over to see one of their classmates messing around with one of the artifacts. She asks who that is and Willow and Xander identify him as Rodney Munson, who in the script is described as 16 walking trouble. Apparently he used to beat Xander up every day for five years. Buffy says she should probably go stop him, but Willow intervenes, saying this really isn't a situation that calls for violence. I love this. Not the whole (laughs) saying Buffy solves all her problems violently, but the parallel to the pack, which was our last field trip episode. Yep. Yep. As in the pack, we have Xander intervening for the same reason that Willow does here. That only thing that could have made this parallel better was if the rest of the episode focused on Willow as the pack did on Xander. Yeah, that would be cool. Mm, That would have been good. It also would have opened up this episode to being closer to the source material, but it's just, it's another missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Buffy says she doesn't always use violence, and Xander replies that the most important thing is that she believes that. (laughs) (laughs) A few feet over, Willow approaches Rodney and tells him that maybe he shouldn't be doing whatever it is he's doing, which looks like scraping paint off a mask and into a baggie. Like, as far as troublemaking goes, that's very weird. Look, yeah, he just wants to follow what all the old white people used to do <laughs> and either eat dead things or make paint out of it, okay? Come on. Okay. Willow says he might get into trouble, and he seems pretty flippant about it all. Oh, no, I might get kicked out of school. But when Willow asks if they're still on for their chem tutorial, he says yeah and tells her that he almost has all 14 natural elements memorized. (laughs) Rodney, there's 103. Only there's not 103 because Google tells me there are only 92. So either the writers just chose a number or some elements are no longer naturally occurring. Hmm. Also, can we talk about how everyone just likes Willow? She's so sweet. She's just... Every school has that person where like no matter what like they might not be friends with everyone but they're friendly with everyone yeah and like because willow just tries like she she doesn't care who somebody is and especially like because she is so smart like she wants to help people succeed you know she she doesn't want people to get left behind like she's such a good person i wish i could be like willow But yeah, no, here's this like character we're told as a bully, we're told as a troublemaker, and Willow comes over and he's like, yes, I've been trying at my chemistry. And I just, that's so adorable. It's so sweet. It's, it's just goes to show the layers of people, you know, that everybody isn't completely bad, isn't completely. And again, like a lot of times when you look at bullies, you have to look at what's going on with them. A Mm -hmm. lot of bullies aren't bullies just because they want to be bullies. I mean, yeah, there's people that are bullies because they're pieces of shit. 
But, you know, some people Yeah, are. a lot of times there's something else going on yeah. or there's a cycle of abuse in the household. Yeah, because a, like, a lot of times people who are bullies are being bullied at some point. Like, I, yeah. I think about um, John from Breakfast Club. Yeah. Like, he gets shit at home and he t- has to toughen himself up and it just comes out at school. So, yeah, there's layers to people. Yes, mm-hmm. like Shrek and onions. And yes. <laughs> Bullies are like onions. And pie. <laughs> and parfait. Mm-hmm. Just hungry now. <laughs> <laughs> the docent then tells them it's time to enter the Incan burial chamber, part of the exhibit. The human sacrifice is about to begin. Xander says it's your typical museum trick. Promise human sacrifice, deliver nothing but old pots and pans. As they wind their way through the exhibit, the docent explains how the Incans would choose a beautiful teenage girl to serve as their princess. It's a story Willow hopes ends in happily ever after, but that actually ends with her being sacrificed to the mountain god, forever laid to rest in the dark tomb and kept there by a cursed seal, which the docent motions to with his extendable pointer. (laughs) Of course, through all this, Cordelia and the Cordettes are talking and giggling in the corner, still going over the exchange student roster and paying not a bit of attention. Okay, was anyone else just screaming about how the mummy was just out in the open? Yes. (laughs) I know, I know that's done for plot, but no, no way would that be how a mummy was actually displayed. Yeah, because first of all, a mummy has been mummified thousands of years or however. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Dylan. And there's a whole thing about the natural elements and modern germs and everything. Plus old germs, old germs. Yeah. Shit from the past (laughs) had germs that we don't even have anymore. Like this is how plagues start. I love a casual plague. Just a casual one. Yes, just a casual one. Just just a few people dying, you know? So I actually went to look this up when prepping my notes because I wanted to see how a mummy is supposed to be displayed. Mary did a lot of research for I this I did a episode. lot of research here, guys. Buckle in. This is my shocked face. She kept messaging me like, I have research. So what I actually came across when looking this up is several articles about whether we should actually be displaying mummies at all. Mm-hmm. about whether it's ethical to put the remains of the dead on display. It is not. We well, shouldn't be. Also so, considering that these people, these kings were buried with the express purpose of this is how we're burying them. That's why we get mummies. That's why we get mummies walking around. They're not supposed to be disturbed. So actually, it's a debate that's been going on for over 200 years, and it still looms large in the archaeological, scientific, and museum communities. As of right now, there is no definitive answer, and the argument seems to be equally divided on each side. Those opposed to it say that these people didn't know they were going to be put on display, didn't consent to it, and that it's disrespectful to them and their descendants to place them in a case to be stared and gawked at. Those for it say that the Egyptians and other cultures that embraced mummification had a unique relationship with death and saw a union between the living and the dead. And because of this union would welcome this sort of interaction between the past and the present. Ah, yes. They welcome that interaction by locking them in tombs and telling people they were cursed so they wouldn't try and get in them. Yeah, like the whole thing, the whole thing was they were being locked away. Like this was their death ritual that they were being put here 
to that's that was their final resting place. And I can like, again, I can see, you know, it's easy to see both sides and it's easy to go from an academic standpoint where you want to learn about these rituals and what they did. But there has to be some kind of middle ground Mm -hmm. between the academic and what they intended. Like, again, like you can't say what they intended, but obviously they intended that these bodies would stay where they are because there were curses. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you also have to take into account that these archaeological digs were not always done by professionals. Oh, yeah. That in the 1800s, places like Egypt were a popular tourist destination for the French and British. So much so that a French tourist in 1833 once remarked that it would hardly be respectable to return from Egypt without a mummy in one hand and an alligator in another. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is a topic we could talk about all day. So (laughs) we're just going to leave it here, giving you guys something to think on. And I will make sure to link some of the articles discussing the debate in our show notes for this week, especially since we need to talk about this myth and the Incans. (laughs) Yep. Told you, there's a lot of, just buckle up. So yes, the Incans did practice human sacrifice. And yes, it sometimes involved lovely young women. But they were not called princesses. This group of chosen young women were known as Virgins of the Sun, or Aquila Kona. These women lived in a convent under a vow of chastity. They prepared ritual food, tended the sacred fire, and weaved garments for both the emperor and for ritual use. Apparently, at the time of the Spanish conquistadors, they numbered in the thousands and were all overseen by a high priestess or Coyapasca, a noble woman believed to be the consort of the sun god Inti or Apupuchao. Apparently, he went by both names. These girls, however, were not of noble birth and were simply village girls chosen around the age of eight or ten and taken away from their homes and their families to be locked away in a temple for years, unable to leave. Eventually, some of these girls would become sacrificial victims, while others became imperial concubines or wives for nobles. So while the myth doesn't exactly line up, there is evidence of similar practices. We also know that the Incans practiced mummification, as in 1999, two child mummies were found at the summit of a volcano, Lulaicoa, located in Argentina. Both children appear to have been sacrificed in a ceremonial ritual. But going back to mummies, I have a problem with this whole curse seal thing. Okay, more with the fact that they refer to it as a curse seal. <laughs> like, I get it. The people who sacrificed her held the belief that she would rise again, which is why they sealed the tomb. But that's just standard practice, right? Yeah. Like, this isn't an Emotep situation. Because in both the original 1932 movie and the 1999 remake, spectacular for so oh, many reasons. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's made clear that Emotep is bad news, and thus his tomb should never be opened. He was stored, like, away from everything else. Like, that Mm -hmm. was the whole point of that movie was the Americans were over here doing their American shit, and our girl Evie was over here like, "Uh, no, that's not not where the good shit is. I know where the good shit is. (laughs) I, I love Evie so much, but, like, I wish she would have left the good shit alone. Just go with the Americans. Yeah, for once. Doing their, doing their bumbling stuff. I know, we're dumb, you know, and they had Benny. <laughs> but that, okay, but that's not the case here. Like, I know, Other exactly. than fearing she might come back to life, there's no indication that she was a wicked person when alive. In fact, just the opposite. She was good. And yeah, that's actually something that we're, you know, 
Look, if I thought that something could possibly be coming back to life, it didn't matter (laughs) if they were a good person or not. I'm sealing that shit up to high heaven (laughs) with whatever curses I can find. We're like, nah, bitch, you're staying dead. Because they decide, because they sacrificed her, so she's going to come back and be like, hey, bitch, what'd you do that for? Exactly. Like, Dylan's look, not taking any chances. No. Nope. But also, let's be real. I, I would I would end up just being sacrificed. You would. <laughs> nothing for the village. We would. <laughs> you also would go open the cursed tomb. And go not into the woods. Not if I was the one that made the cursed tomb. Duh. Okay, maybe not if you were the one that made the cursed tomb. But if you just happened upon a cursed tomb, you'd be the first one to be like, hey, guys, let's go in here. You know what? The, here's the thing. Dylan would open a cursed tomb and piss off whatever is inside the cursed tomb. And then we would just throw Dylan at it and be like, hey, here, have this. Yeah, but then I'd become best friends with it and take over the world. So haha, sucks to be you. But we're going to seal you back in. That's why you should follow in. me. You can't seal me because the seal's been broken and you don't know the ancient curses. So ha. <laughs> we'll call Giles. Do yes. <laughs> yes, we'll call Giles. He'll come up with something. It's going to take too long for him to get over to the cursed tombs of the East Coast. So haha. <laughs> these cursed tombs of the east coast are located south boston i was gonna say (laughs) south boston yeah under under fenway that's what the green monster really is yep it's an ancient evil underneath diamond city i believe it i I mean if you played if you play fallout 4 there's a lot of shit that happens in south boston someday i will play that and visit my hometown but until (laughs) then i'll just listen to you come over and watch me play it so many bugs so little time (laughs) Xander asks Buffy when Exchange Boy is showing up, and she says that his name is Ampata, and she's picking him up at the bus depot the next night. Ah, yes, the bus depot. What better way to welcome someone to Sunnydale than with the stench of urine? <laughs> I tried to see if Ampata was a real name, but nothing came up. Um, actually, I have something. Okay. Is, I wonder if it's what I have, but go ahead. So is it the um, Mummy Juniata? No. Okay. So it was based. So Ampata is the volcano mm-hmm. where there was a mummy that Inc- the Inca princess was based on. It was a mummy that was discovered in 1995 in the dormant volcano of Ampato. So she was also known as the Lady of Ampato. And it was a well preserved. Inca girl. Oh, there we go. What I found is that the name was most likely taken from the Spanish word emparar, meaning to defend. Thus, the name the mummy ends up stealing for herself means defender. Oh. Which, again, the parallel between Buffy and Empata. Yep. So if you put those two things together, it's like, wow. (laughs) I like that I found something that you didn't find. I I do like that you found something that I didn't find. Good job. I know. Go me. I get a gold star today. You get a a point on the whiteboard. (gasps) I get a point. I want a point. You You don't get any points. points. (laughs) You've given yourself like 10,000 points. Well, I just gave myself another point. There we go. Okay. That's going to be like, just get, you you don't play by the rules. Just give yourself a point. I gave myself a point and now I'm collecting late fees. <laughs> I would also like to note that throughout Buffy, Willow, and Xander's discussion, the camera moves between them and the mummy. Remember this, it will be important later. It's a guide motions for all of them to move on and the exhibit empties out. Except for Rodney, who has stayed behind to, well, cause trouble. He sneaks back up onto the platform where the mummy is being kept and goes to steal the seal, which looks kind of like a giant serving platter. 
Only it breaks. Deciding it's now worthless, he turns to leave, only to be grabbed by the mummy. Eyes now open, she pulls him down towards her. So Rodney is played by Chain Crawford, who went on to have a pretty hefty career. A Walk to Remember, CSI, Jericho, 24, Leverage. He's done a ton of shows, including the new television reboot of Lethal Weapons, where he plays Riggs, the character originally played by Mel Gibson. Oh, okay, that's cool. Ah. And then, bam, credits. Returning from credits, we find ourselves at Sunnydale High, where a banner across the front tells us that yet another event is being held at the Small Child Nightclub. <laughs> of course. <laughs> this one being the World Cultures Dance. So it is a school-sanctioned Small Child Nightclub. That's exactly it. Yeah, like... You're continually mystified by this. <laughs> like, apparently prom was held at the Small Child Nightclub. <laughs> I don't know what deal the school and the small child nightclub have, but it's very strange. And they yes. go back, like, again, because they they do it again in um, the episode where where they're hired, where the assassins come after Buffy and Faith, because we were just watching that not too long ago. Like, there's another dance. Homecoming. The homecoming, yeah. Like, apparently it's school-sanctioned events can happen at the small child nightclub. I'm jealous. I wanted a small child nightclub. I want a small child Mm -hmm. nightclub so badly. Well, look, there's our next business venture. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) And suddenly we are in our own episode of It's Always Sunny. (laughs) I mean, I'm in Philly, so... In the library, Buffy and Giles are training. Buffy visibly upset that Giles is set against her going to the dance. Buffy asks why not, and Giles says because she is the chosen one, that she has responsibilities that other girls do not. That's slaying. She interrupts him to say that she knows this one, before mocking him with a line that ends in, I'm so stuffy, give me a scone. It says, (laughs) if you know me, he responds. He then goes on to remind her that hiding her identity is going to be hard enough now that she has someone new living with her. No, no, not living with her, staying in the same house as her. It's an important distinction and one Xander wants to make sure everyone is aware of. (laughs) Either way, Buffy says the best way to make sure her secret remains a secret is going to the dance like everyone else. Exactly. She's not wrong. People. I mean, she's not wrong. What are people going to think if she's just hides away? People are going to get, they already think she's weird. Exactly. Giles, though, still hesitant. That is until she makes as if to land a particularly hard kick on the pad Giles is holding. Stepping back, he relents. Fine, fine. She can go to the dance. Yay! She wins. Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Giles says he'll just go and introduce his shoulder to an ice pack while Buffy and Xander talk logistics. As all three of them are now going, he'll look into getting his mom's car, something that he says will make him wheel man. (laughs) This is a thread that will continue, actually, Xander being the group's mode of transportation. Well, Xander and a certain other character that we will meet for the first time later this episode. Yay! Because it sure beats it sure beats Giles's car. <laughs> it sure beats Giles's car. I mean, we'll see it in season three and even up into season seven when he drives Buffy and Dawn to Dawn's first day of the rebuilt Sunnydale High. I do love I do love Giles's Citroen. I mean, oh. it's such a British car. It's so British, but it definitely so is Giles. not. It's definitely not a dad SUV to drive the kids around town. He really should have invested in one of those. Well, you know what? To be fair, he didn't realize that he was going to have a bunch of ducklings following after him. He signed up for a Slayer. 
<laughs> he signed up for one duckling. One duckling. He got many. He got a whole family of them. Buffy comments that she thought Xander was taking Willow to the dance. He is, yeah, but he's not like taking Willow. If she comes along, there's three of them. Three is good. Three is safe. If it's just him and Willow, well, that ventures into date territory. And then there's romance, flowers, lips. Hopping up to sit on the table, Buffy asks if he's really never thought about kissing Willow, right as Willow enters the library unseen by either. He says that he loves Willow. She's his best friend. And because of that, no, her lips are not lips for kissing. Xander, you liar. (sighs) We all saw when she was bad. We know. It might have only been a moment, but you definitely thought about kissing those lips. Yes. And her nose. And her nose, yes. <laughs> and we we know what you do later, Xander. Oh, we, yeah. We, we've seen what happens. Don't tell us you're not you're not mm. into kissing those willow lips. Mm-hmm. You should have you kissed those willow lips before you were kissing somebody else's lips. And those other lips were kissing lips that we'll see later on, too. <laughs> <laughs> The lips Uh, that are the lips. (laughs) That thread got away from me. (laughs) That got away from me. I I tried. (laughs) Ah, yes. The poison. The poison for Kuzco. Kuzco, That's that's kind of where I was going with it. (laughs) We're proud of you anyway. Thank you. Thank you. I'm currently high on nacho fried dust, so... (laughs) That's when Willow makes her presence known with a hey. Clearly wanting to distract Willow from anything she might have heard, Xander tells her that they were just talking about happy things, like the three of them going to the dance together. Only Willow doesn't look happy. And not because of what Xander just said. It's Rodney. He's missing. His parents said he never came home last night. You know, now that she mentions it, Buffy doesn't remember seeing him on the bus back from the museum. That chaperone needs to be fired. Someone didn't count the buddies. (laughs) I think we know who that, uh, I think we know who the chaperone was. I think it was Kate from uh, Demon Hunting Soccer Mom. <laughs> Listen! <laughs> Kate would have counted all the children. <laughs> Willow hopes he didn't get into trouble. Xander jokes that maybe he woke up the mummy. Yeah, Willow continues, and maybe she rose from her grave. And attacked him, Buffy finishes. Y'all. There's a beat and the three of them all just look at each other. maybe they should go check out the museum just in case y'all you should know better than the joke about that at said museum the three of them enter the burial chamber as they get closer to where the mummy is willow says maybe rodney just stepped out for a smoke for 21 hours well it is addictive giles says they'll (laughs) deal with that after they've ruled out curses one day, Buffy says she's going to live in a town where curses are ruled out as a default. <laughs> she steps up to the tomb as Giles asks about the seal. Yep, it's broken, but the mummy is still there, comfy, cozy as ever. She hands the largest part of the seal to Giles, who starts looking over the pictograms before some sort of guard emerges from the shadows, knife raised as if to attack them. He comes at Xander, who ducks. The guard makes us to attack again, but after looking into the tomb, instead retreats. Odd. Xander asks if he saved them. <laughs> If not him, something else. Giles says they could sort out the details later. Right now, they need to leave before whoever that was comes back. They all begin to leave, only now Willow is staring down at the mummy. Frowning, she asks Giles if the Incas were advanced. Yes, very. So advanced they had orthodontists? 
<laughs> you see, the mummy now has braces. Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Walking back into the library, Willow says that Rodney looked like he had been dead for 500 years. How? Xander suggests maybe they asked the crazy man with the big knife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't seem overly chatty. He's not wrong. Not to mention that once he saw Rodney, he was just as wigged out as they were. Giles says his resources in this matter are very limited, but it appears the mummy came from the Sabankaya region of Peru, an actual region surrounding the Sabankaya volcano. At El Volcano, it is believed that the Incans performed human sacrifices to appease. Oh, hey, never mind. Interesting to note, the other major volcano in the region is named Ampato. Ah. I was just ahead of you. You were just ahead of me. I didn't have a thing. I also didn't have a thing about the mummy. I just had that that was the volcano's name. Yep. So I still get my point. Buffy says she's late. She told her mom she would pick Ampata up at the bus depot. Not now, Xander chides. Where are her priorities? Shouldn't hunting a homicidal mummy come before making time with some Latin lover? <laughs> Buffy tells him and Giles. That Ampata is there alone. And who knows how good his English is. He's from South America. South America! Maybe he can help translate the seal. Yo, yeah, okay. The whole let me help you translate the ancient seal routine. Do they know how many times Xander has tried that? <laughs> really, Xander? Because, like, if this is true, I'm going to need some stories to go along I know. with this. I need, I need a like, little... Who is he attempting to pick up by translating ancient seals? Also, I want to talk about the fact that He's okay with leaving a stranger at a Sunnydale bus stop in at night. Nothing, nothing good happens at bus stops at night. No. Anyway, so we're in Sunnydale. Like a vampire could get him. Like forget about the fact that we know what's going to happen later. A vampire could get him. You know, it's it's Sunnydale, and he's a stranger. <laughs> I'm just very concerned about. I am also very concerned about poor Impata. And we're going to talk about that later in the episode because I, I do have a little bit in there about like, uh, hold on. So we'll we'll get there because poor Impata. I have, yeah, yeah. No, I have some concerns too that international incident kind of concerns. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit. <laughs> At the bus station, Impata stands alone waiting. He hears a female voice call his name and following it, he moves into the shadows where the mummy is waiting, ready to suck out his life force. By the way, the actor they hired is not even remotely close to the description in the script. <laughs> the dude we see on screen is tall, gorgeous, and looks like he's about 21. In the script, Empata is described as short, squat, and 16. <laughs> Buffy and co arrive, calling out Empata's name as they search the bus station. Turns out they are 40 minutes late. Willow wonders if he could have left while Xander asks if they're going to need to know Spanish to talk to him. Because all he knows is Dorito and Chihuahua. That's when she steps out of the shadows. The mummy, now going by Ampata. And looking quite good in the real Ampata's clothes, I might add. Like the shirt I can get. A lot of females look good in button downs. But the pants, I'm kind of shocked those fit as well as they do. As she steps into the light, Xander mutters, I caramba. <laughs> Seems he also knows that. Uh, too much Simpsons. Problematic. Yeah. Since we can now see what our Incan princess actually looks like, stunningly beautiful, but hesitant, vulnerable, according to the script, it seems a good time to talk about the woman who plays her, Araceli. Before Buffy, she appeared on Saved by the Bell the College Years. And after Buffy, she went on to do things, such things as All My Children, Machete, and Queen of the South. She's very pretty. She's gorgeous. Yes. I know. She's, she was she's, a beauty queen. She was Miss Texas. That makes sense. I can see it. <laughs> yep. 
I love, her too. I love her too. Like I know she's not like, you know, a lot of times when you have actors that didn't hit it big, but I love her. Like she, she was perfect for, for this. She role. was perfect. And like, she's adorable. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Cause I have some stuff about like the interview with her that came up and it's just, she's just such an adorable person. Yeah. Back at the summer's residence, Buffy and the others are giving the mummy who from now on, we're just going to call Empata to simplify things, a tour of the house ending in the kitchen. Empata seems very impressed, you know, cause she's probably never seen modern appliances before. <laughs> Xander asked if she'd like something to drink while Buffy checks out the fridge and Willow claims some snack food from the cabinet. And yes, Xander is doing that thing where you talk slow and overpronounced because the other person supposedly doesn't speak English. But by the end of the scene, when he realizes her English is actually very good, he stops doing it. Yes. He does, however, continue to remain as close to her as humanly possible. Like, personal bubble, Xander. Yeah. Personal bubble. That also is like, he's a teenage boy and she's pretty. You know, it, yeah, and she's clearly into him. Yeah, like, yeah, no, like give him that one. This girl's actually into him. Yeah, yeah, no, she she is actually digging him, which is cool. Which again, like, makes me mad about the Xander hate because she digs him. She likes him. Yeah. Not much wrong with Xander in this episode. Well, just as we go, I told you, I got a couple rants in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Mary ranting is my favorite thing. I love it so much. There are episodes that you can use to talk about how Xander is a little not great. This is not one of them. Like bewitched, bothered, and bewildered? Yes. <laughs> Willow's just surprised that she's a girl because they thought she was going to be a boy. But no, here she is, a girl. Just one of life's happy coincidences, Xander remarks. <laughs> so remember how I said the camera angles back in the museum would be important? Yes. Well, here is why. When Bean asked about travel and how her English is so good, Empata says she listened much. Yep. And that she toured in Boston, Atlanta, and New York. This clearly makes it known that Empata hears everything that goes on around her. I say this because I have seen posts all over the internet on, but how did the mummy know about the exchange student? How did she know to be at the bus station? Mm -hmm. They tell you. Yes. She's uh, also, <laughs> even if they didn't like explicitly set that up, just suspension of disbelief. It's fucking Buffy the Vampire it's, Slayer. Come on. Right? It's supernatural. And again, like she tells you that she learned by listening. Yeah. This isn't even so, a situation where you have to extend your disbelief because they outright tell you. Yeah, oh, no, no, I'm saying like even if I they believe, didn't yeah, set yeah. that up, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, no, like it's a show about the supernatural. She just knew, just yeah, yeah, yeah. move on. Yeah, a mummy rose from its grave. <laughs> like, but see, that's the thing. That's the thing that I love. I'm like, people have these quibbles about things that are explained. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to quibble about it if they don't come out and tell you something. You know, yeah. yes. it's it's fun to it's fun to talk and try to like laugh of like oh ho ho how's that work? Like but us trying to logic how Marcy got two people to the bronze. It's the hell mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's usually the explanation. I mean, we've been told by the creative team that is the explanation. They live on a hell mouth. Weird shit happens. Move on. But in this case. She came from without and she was already a supernatural creature. She was already being filled with all this knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. In response to her listen much statement, Xander says, it's okay. He talks much. And no. then they both have a little laugh. And Pata apparently finding him quite charming. 
Uh-oh. Aw. Later upstairs, Ampata gets ready for bed, she and Buffy sharing a room. So, okay, when I was watching the episode, I had a question about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they expected Ampata to be male. And was he still going to stay in Buffy's room? Like, Probably it not. S- no. It doesn't seem like they had a guest room ready or a couch made up or anything. And like, I know co-ed living arrangements aren't that big a deal, but I didn't see Joyce really going for it. I mean, then again, Xander's up in Buffy's room all the time. But that's Xander. I I don't know. But this is the thing where the script actually answered this question. Oh, good. So when I got to the script part of my prep, there is actually a deleted scene where Joyce comes into the kitchen and asks Buffy if she wants to show Empata up to her room, something Buffy is surprised about because she thought Empata was staying in the study. Also, the Summers house has a study. Well, Joyce has to have a room to do all of her illegal business. That's true. That's true. Joyce says yes when they thought Empata was a boy. But since Empata is a girl, she thought it would be nice for them to double up, get to know each other, share secrets. Buffy's not thrilled about this because of those secrets. She has (laughs) secrets. Secret things that need to stay secret. So, okay, no, Joyce was actually not going to let the original Empata stay in Buffy's room. that, That does make sense that it was in the script. So I was like, okay, well done. Answered one of my my many logistical questions about this episode. Yes. Buffy apologizes for the cramped quarters and Empata says don't. That Buffy's room is amazing. She has so much. <laughs> that leads Buffy to ask Empata what it's like back home. And the girl answers that it's small and very dead. Aww. Well, hey, she'll fit right in in Sunnydale. Yeah. Oh, no, no. How could she say that? Sunnydale is so nice. She a picture of Buffy, Willow, and Xander, a picture we see many times throughout the series, which prompts Buffy to ask about Empata's friends. She says it's just her. And Buffy says she gets it. But Empata is bound to meet a lot of people tomorrow when classes start. Excited, Empata says Buffy must teach her everything about her life. She wants to fit in, just like Buffy does. A nice, normal girl. I love Empata. I love Empata so much. Normal. Yeah, that's her. Buffy reaches over and turns off the light as the camera moves to outside, where the guard from the museum stands, watching, waiting. The next morning, we head to Sunnydale High, where Cordelia is talking to Devin! Devin! She says yes! She will be at the dance that night, but not for him to think that she's one of his groupies. She's not going to be standing there, staring at him adoringly. Devin says he's got it. Cordelia says she'll meet him afterwards. Where? At the edge of the stage, duh! <laughs> Looking behind her towards Fen, described in the script as hulking, blonde, expressionless, like a Swedish lurch. <laughs> Devin asks if she'll be with that guy. <laughs> Fen starts to come forward, but Cordelia tells him to stop using two different words, neither of which I think is Swedish. <laughs> or at least when I looked up wait and or stop in Swedish, Nita was not one of them. But now that I like think back on it and I looked at the script, I wonder if that whole thing was just her trying to do the like Karen Walker thing. Yeah. Because <laughs> she goes, memento, Nita. So I think she's basically trying to say she needs a moment. Yeah. But in like the whole broken English thing. She tells Devin that this whole culture exchange thing has been a nightmare. That the exchange students don't even speak American. She then turns to leave, heading up the steps before realizing Sven isn't with her. Turning, she orders him to to come before continuing along. Yeah, tell me again how Xander's the culturally insensitive one in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Xander was dumb. He was being dumb. dumb. 
But as soon as he realized that she speaks English, he... And he's also trying to have a conversation with her. Yeah. He's not just ordering her around. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was, no. like, asking her things like, do you want something to drink? And when then, then, like we said, when he realized she can speak English, he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. But Cordelia's being Cordelia. Also, Cordelia totally looks like someone's mom <laughs> there to speak with the administration. She looks at, she looks like that a lot. I mean, I, I know, it's, I know it was a popular, like, rich, preppy look back then. Oh. But the whole sweater over the shoulder either makes you look like a douchebag if you're a guy or makes you look like someone's mom. Oh, if in the girl. 90s, in the 90s, we all look like little secretaries. Oh, yeah. Like, there was no way around it. We, we all looked older than we actually were. Like, I see teenagers now. I'm like, you look so young. We never looked that young. We never looked that young. Cordelia gone. Devin turns to none other than Oz. Oz! Yay! Yay. Oh, I Making love him. his very oh. first appearance in this episode. I love him so much. Played by Seth Green, Oz will continue to be a major player throughout this season as well as seasons three and four. Devin asks Oz what he thinks of Cordelia, and he says she's a Wonderland tour. <laughs> I love our introduction to Oz in this script. Yes. There's a quiet restraint and total lack of bitterness to his sarcasm. Where Devin is your typical excitable rock and roller, Oz is completely unflappable. His is the kind of cool that is completely unaware of itself. I love him. I love him so much. Oh. Gathering that he's not all that impressed by Cordelia's hotness, Devin asks what a girl has to do to impress him. Well, it involves a feather boa and a theme from a summer place. <laughs> we might discuss it here. That's so cute. So, A Summer Place, released in 1959, is a romantic drama based on a 1958 novel. Starring Richard Egan, Dorothy McGuire, Sandra Dee, and Troy Donahue, the movie centers around two people from different social classes who had a love affair as teenagers. Now, 20 years later, they run into each other once more, bringing up old feelings made all the more complicated by the fact their own children are now in love. So what is the theme from A Summer Place? Composed by Max Steiner, the instrumental piece that played under the scenes with Molly, Sandra D, and Johnny, Troy Donahue. It's been recorded and re-recorded several times over the years and has been used in several other pieces of media. Everything from the 1989 version of Batman to Final Destination 3. And I oh. have it playing in my head at least once a week. Yes. Buffy will actually feature the piece of music in the season seven episode, Him. Devin says Oz's standards are too high. And Oz says it's more like Devin is impressed by any pretty girl who can walk and talk. <laughs> she doesn't have to talk. <laughs> I mean, you know. Apparently, the third member of the band that we see milling around is named Sam. So I, I we now know three of the four dingoes. <laughs> Willow and Xander make their way across the courtyard, Willow saying that she worked really hard on her costume. Xander wants to know, what about him? He still needs to think of something. Well, seeing as how it's a world cultures dance, there are plenty of dress up options. Yes, and just as many mocking options, all aimed at him. Willow says Bavarians are cool, but Xander shuts it down. No shirts with ruffles, no hats with feathers, no lederhosen that make his calves <laughs> look fat. Since when is he so concerned with looking like an idiot? No, wait. <laughs> Willow says that came out wrong. <laughs> right about the time we see why Xander is so concerned with looking like an idiot. 
I mean, she's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, not at all. His gaze fixed on Empata, who has just arrived with Buffy. Buffy asks if she's nervous, and Empata says it's a lot more people than she was expecting and that she's seen in a long time. Aww. Buffy tells her not to worry, that she'll make friends in no time. In fact, she knows someone who's dying to meet her. <laughs> Bad choice of words. Q Giles, who is indeed quite thrilled to meet Empata, and immediately hands her the seal, asking if she <laughs> might be able to translate it. Giles! Are, are you, like, British? Shouldn't there be a whole bunch of niceties before you just <laughs> shove an artifact at someone? Okay, this, this is Giles, who he's got shit that he needs to do. Niceties yes. can come later. That's fair. He'll get her started, and he'll go brew a nice pot of tea and yep. bring it over while she's working. It's it's a whole thing, you know? It's Giles. <laughs> <laughs> And Potter wants to know why they think she'd know anything about it. Giles explains that it comes from the same place she's from, and that originally it was in the tomb of the Incan princess. Therefore, he thought she might be able to help them translate it for their archaeology club. (laughs) Willow fills in the blank quite nicely, earning a yes, that's it, from Giles. Good job. Okay, now I'm wondering why they, like, didn't start something like an archaeology club. Something that would give them a legitimate reason to be Hanging around school after hours in the library. With all these weird books. Though I guess if they started an official club, they'd run the risk of others wanting to join. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, look at how they react when other people come into the library to begin with. <laughs> yeah. So not so good for the whole secrecy thing. Yeah, and then you have to you have to report to the administration and you have to have a whole syllabus and it's yeah, it's a mess. Yeah. Too much too much effort. Too much work. Taking the piece of the seal they have, Buffy explaining it's the only one they found, and Pata looks over it. She says it's very old, valuable. She suggests they hide it. <laughs> of course yes. she does. But does she know how to read it? Or what any of the pictographs might mean? Like the chappy with the knife? <laughs> I, I need to appreciate the fact Giles said chappy. Chappy. Oh. Like, that's so painfully British, and I love him so much. Oh my god. <laughs> He's so cute. He's just, just, you know, I hate calling grown ass men cute, but. But he is cute. He is just so cute. He's cute. Yes. (laughs) And Potter says she's not sure the actual word for it, but she thinks it may be similar to bodyguard that the legends say he's there to guard the mummy from any that would disturb her rest. He did not do his job well. He did not do his job. You had one job. Just the one. Giles says that's a good start for their for their club before looking to Buffy. She gets the hint and says that as club president, she has a ton of stuff to do. Boring stuff. So uh, maybe Willow would like to stay with Empata for the day. Xander says he would love to. And it's clear that Empata feels the same. He leads her off while Giles starts handing out assignments, asking Buffy to look into the whole bodyguard situation and Willow to... Willow's not listening. She's just watching Xander and Empata go off together with a small, they really seem to like each other. Poor Willow. Aww. Like, how many times are we going to break Willow's heart? And Too I know, goddamn many. Too many I, times. I, I was going to say, I know the answer is like, once more as always. Because yeah. the creator has even said that he loved making Willow sad or putting Willow in danger. Because Allison had these eyes. Like, she had the doe eyes yeah. that were just perfect for it yeah no her 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 face is just and again like i talk so much about face acting like her expressions when she's sad are just so but i want to go i just want to give her a hug and it's okay it's okay we just need to remind ourselves that there is a hella cute werewolf waiting around the corner for there her there is a hella yes. cute werewolf but then they fuck shit up again <laughs> sorry <laughs> 
Okay, I just got to all of that rewatching with Mr. Froggy, so it's in my mind and I'm angry. <laughs> On the bleachers, Xander and Ampata sit talking, Xander introducing her to the wonderful world of American junk food. (laughs) He pulls out what he calls a snack food, but, you know, is a Twinkie. He just couldn't say it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. From his bag, explaining what it is before shoving it in his mouth hole. (laughs) Ampata is clearly amused, but says now she cannot try one. Not true, because he has two. He hands her the other and she does the same, only her mouth is not quite as big as Xander's. And so she's left holding a piece. He says the best part about this snack food is that it's full of ingredients no human can pronounce. Therefore, it doesn't leave you with that heavy, real food feeling. (laughs) She calls him strange and he says girls often say that right before they run away. For this scene, they each had to eat like 10 Twinkies. Because yeah, that there was the were next thing in my notes. <laughs> there were so many takes. <laughs> That's what I've always read, like with interviews with actors, where they're like, "I instantly regretted suggesting that there be food in this." Yeah, because yeah. There's so many takes, and they never wanted to. Like, I couldn't eat certain food for a long time after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah one of the things they asked her in the interview is if she still likes Twinkies. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, I do. Yeah. She says she likes it. Yeah, well, he likes that she likes it. There's a small beat and then he begs her not to learn English from him. (laughs) 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 Laughing, the two continue getting to know each other. Well, back in the library, Buffy tries to match the markings on the seal to those in Giles' books. Thinking she might have found something, she asks Willow if the two look similar, only to notice that Willow is not paying attention. Instead, she's gazing out into the middle distance, playing with a frog plushie, possibly a beanie baby, as this was 97. (laughs) Bringing her attention back to Buffy, Willow says, yes, she cares about mummies. (laughs) Buffy gently reminds her that Ampata is only staying two weeks. Playing with a frog plushie. That would be me. That was me in high school. (laughs) Willow knows that, but it doesn't matter. Once she's gone, Xander will just find someone else to obsess over who isn't her. She has a choice to make. She can sit and she can wait for Xander to date everyone else before noticing her. Or she can get on with her life. Buffy says good for her. But Willow, she hasn't decided yet. Giles comes over and praises Buffy for her work. Seems she did find something. Something important. As the part of the seal they are now able to translate says that Rodney's killer was most likely the mummy. That she has the power to drain the life force out of an individual, effectively freeze-drying them. Okay, so then all they have to do is find and stop the mummy. How do they find and stop the mummy? GPS. <laughs> this is the 90s. We didn't have GPS. We didn't well, even have map quests. That's a we had, problem. We had an atlas with maps in it. Giles says the answer to that is most likely on a piece of the seal they do not yet have. Back on the bleachers, the guard attack seemingly having come from nowhere (laughs) (laughs) and accuses Xander of stealing the seal. Xander dodges his attempt to hack him apart with his machete. And for a moment, the guard catches sight of Empata, declaring, it's you. Xander manages to take advantage of his distraction. And with Empata grabbing Xander's bag, the two take off running back towards the main building. All I can the- think of is that horrifying episode of Courage, as if there isn't yes. one that is horrifying. Yes. Return yes. The yes. Slab. No, when we we recently we recently rewatched Courage because there's going to be a Scooby Doo Courage crossover movie. Yes. And yeah, when 
when we were watching Inca Mummy Girl, Kevin and I just kept going, return the slab. <laughs> I love courage, but also fuck that goddamn I show. I know. It's so creepy. <laughs> I have never watched the show. Watch it. Wait, you haven't watched it? No, I've never watched Courage. Bitch. It's on HBO Max. Watch it. You will love it. You have to. Especially because there's a Courage Scooby-Doo crossover coming. Things I do for Scooby. (laughs) Things you do for me. The things I do for you. It's true. (laughs) They end up in the library along with the others. Giles making Ampata some tea to help calm her nerves. Willow says she doesn't understand why this guy keeps coming after them. And Xander says he wants the seal. Seems it's more popular than any of them thought. It makes Giles wonder what they should do with it. Destroy it, Empata answers immediately. Destroy it before someone gets killed. Someone already has. She asks if the man with the knife killed someone, and Buffy says not exactly. And Potter realizes they haven't told her anything. And Potter is also very good at pretending she has no idea what's going on. Oh, she's good. Like, if she was going to be sticking around, I'd say we need to sign her up for drama club. Oh, yeah, no, (laughs) she's good. Xander says it's true. They're not an archaeology club. They're a crime club, like chess club, but with crime <laughs> and no chess. Empata begs them. Yeah. Empata begs them to understand where she's coming from. That seal almost got them killed. It must be destroyed. Upset, she runs from the library, Xander calling after her before following. As the two leave, Buffy and Willow share a look. That was a little intense, right? In the hall, Empata sits on a bench composing herself. Xander joins her, promising that no one is going to hurt her. She tells him his investigation is dangerous and she wants no part of it. All she wants is a normal life. She gets up to get a drink and Willow comes to see what's going on, asking Xander if she's okay. Yeah, she's wigged. And he's trying to convince her their lives aren't all doom and gloom and threat of death. (laughs) Willow says Xander should take her to the dance. Great idea. They can all go. No, no, not all. Him and her together. But what about her? She was psyched in her costume. Willow assures him that she'll see him there. Xander tells Willow she's his best friend before going to tell Empata. And Willow watches them with an, I know. Oh, just. The selflessness of that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's another step of growth for Willow. She's slowly letting go of Xander. Not entirely. Not yet. <laughs> no. And there will be lingering feelings for a long while. But she's starting to loosen her grip on that daydream and to realize that she needs to find someone who will put her first. Oh, and I wonder who that could be. But I'm also going to give Xander an honorable mention in this scene because he does acknowledge that going together meant something to Willow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He knows how excited she was about her costume and just goddamn people who use this episode to shit on Xander. No, like it was like he's like, oh, you know, we were all going together. You you were really excited about your costume. Like he was making sure to look out for his friend's feelings. I mean, sometimes he's a teenage boy and he yeah. does shit that, you know, he says he says dumb stuff that hurts. Yeah. But no, he was he was very making sure Willow was definitely okay with this before just being like, he wasn't just like, great. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Like he wanted to make sure Willow was really okay with this. Yeah. And then that was very kind. I know. I hate Buffy people. doesn't get it. Why is the guard jonesing from some for some broken old pieces of rock? And wow, jonesing. The 90s slang just keeps on giving. I know. I know. God. Not just like, not just that, like the, the like the. Some of the lines are just so you wouldn't have them now. Like no, one of my not favorites. One of my favorites is still "What's your childhood trauma?" Yeah, <laughs> like it's like "What's your damage?" 
Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Like, that's what we said. In the <laughs> what is your childhood trauma? And I mean, that was at the first episode. <laughs> Still smack her in her Muppet. <laughs> That is forever one of my favorite lines. Spank your inner Moppet and get over it. Spank your inner Moppet and get over it. <laughs> I love it. Giles show. isn't sure, but it must have something to do with the other pieces. Do they think he has them? Because they only found the one. If he doesn't, then they'd be back at the museum. Maybe they should go and check it out. See if Knife Guy shows. Hey, look, they made a plan. Buffy is very proud of them. Right up until Giles says they'll go tonight when the dance is on. No, no. Then it's a bad plan. No, not that plan. Because Buffy had other plans. Or did. One look from Giles and their canceled plans. Oh, Giles. Giles is employing the dad look. He does that so well. For somebody yes. who doesn't have any biological children, he does the dad look so well. He really yes, does. Yes, he does. Heading down the stairs because now the library is upstairs. Pretty sure the library's always been on the first floor. Don't question these things. I know there's a second level to the library. No, it's not high enough. I don't it's know. Okay, whatever. They're just they're coming down some stairs. Going downstairs. Xander tells Empata that he has something he needs to tell her. That it's secret and a little bit scary. Okay? He likes her and he wants her to go to the dance with him. She asks why that's scary and he says because you never know if the girl is going to say yes or laugh or rip out your still beating heart before stomping upon it. (laughs) Well then, he is very brave and she likes him too. Really? Really? No, no. Like, really? Yes! (laughs) Really? Oh, he's so cute. He quickly asks if she's a praying mantis. (laughs) off her confused look is like someone else <laughs> just you're not a praying mantis are you i love the call back to that mm-hmm. I, I do you know I do. like they don't always call back to older episodes and things that happen but when they do the timing is just so perfect you know like with this like you're not a praying mantis are you <laughs> Beginning to walk away from him, Ampata says she will return. Xander asks where she's going, and she answers, somewhere you cannot follow, before disappearing into the girl's bathroom. (laughs) Right. Xander will wait. In the bathroom, Ampata begins touching up her lipstick when the guard appears behind her. For the first time, we really get a look at said guard, who has this gnarly scar going down the side of his face. He's really got that going for him. Mm-hmm. Empata begs him not to kill her, and he reminds her that she's already dead, and she has been for over half a century. She says she was innocent. He counters with the people that she's killing now. They're innocent. But she's in love. He doesn't care. She's the chosen one. She has no choice. He goes to stab her, and she grabs his arm, twisting it behind him. Leaning in close, she says, yes, she does. Then placing her mouth over his, she begins to drain his life force. That's a good for her moment. Yeah. Oh, well, Xander sits outside waiting obliviously. So as this is the last time we're going to see our guard friend, a yes. few things. One, the guard is simply credited as Peru Man <laughs> in the script. <laughs> And on IMDb, and he's played by Gil Birmingham, an American actor of Comanche ancestry. If you think he looks familiar, it's because you have seen him in everything. Yes. And I mean everything. Dr. Quinn, VIP, Veronica Mars, Twilight, House of Cards, Kimmy Schmidt. He is a very famous and very talented actor. Yes. Basically, whenever whenever you need an indigenous actor, he is one of those on the list. 
Two, I'm kind of sad we don't know the guard's deal. I understand knowing his deal isn't vital to the plot at all. Yeah. But is he immortal? Is he from the same time as the princess? Or is this more like Ardith Bay in the 99 version of The Mummy, where this is a responsibility that's been passed down? That's what I've always... That's what I've always took him as, that this is... Like, that there's a group of people... Kind of like you have the virgins, like, they're a thing... Like, you have this whole group that descended from probably the original bodyguards that were at the temple or wherever, you know, she was. So, yeah, like, I always I always figured it was just this is his lifelong thing. And then if he would die, somebody else would was kind of like the Slayer. Another, you know, another he's another version. So then, okay, okay. so going along with that then are we to believe this is the first time the mummy has risen? Because if he's just taken over this responsibility like 20 years ago, where'd he get the gnarly scar? Look, he looks like a pretty rough dude. You know, he wields a machete. I'm thinking the scar probably came from a bar brawl. You know? Okay, okay. It doesn't necessarily have to come from the mummy. You know, or maybe there's another mummy that he was responsible for, too. I don't know. I just I feel like there's a story behind the scar because that was an intentional makeup choice. Yeah, not. No, yeah. I like I see my my favorite theories are always the most benign. Like I like it. Like, I like, it. like how everyone was always like, oh, well, how did Nick Fury lose his eye? You know, like <laughs> it was scratched out by a cat. Like this dude got into a bar brawl and got a broken bottle in his face. I like it. I like it. Okay. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and Potter eventually comes out all smiles and tells Xander that, yes, she will go to the dance with him. The two walk off together hand in hand. At Buffy's, Potter comes out of the bathroom saying she doesn't have any lipstick. That's okay. Buffy says she has one she can borrow. Potter asks what Buffy's doing as she's kind of leaning on a backpack and two trunks. And she says that the station sent the rest of Empata's stuff. She thought she'd help out and unpack it for her. Oh, oh no, 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 no. She doesn't have to do that. Besides, shouldn't she be getting ready for the dance? Uh, no, she's not going. <laughs> Crime club stuff. But it's nothing Empata needs to worry about. Oh, she's not worried, thanks to Xander. Buffy remarks that Xander seems really happy around her, and Empata says she's happy too. In the script, there's an additional line or two that is just adorable as she talks about how Xander makes milk come out of her nose. AKA makes her laugh. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And how much she enjoys that. Poor Xander. She goes to put on a red lipstick, but Buffy says that will clash and there should be some gold in there somewhere. And Pata says Buffy is always thinking of others before herself. That in many ways, she reminds Empata of the Incan princess. She tells Buffy that she was said to be the only one who could save her people from the netherworld. That of all the girls in her generation, it was she who, throughout this discussion, Buffy's begun to go through Empata's backpack, curiously finding boxers. But before she can dig too deep into that, she sees Empata start to open the drawer that she keeps her holy water and stakes in. <laughs> and so she quickly jumps up to close it, finishing Empata's sentence with chosen. Empata asks if she's heard the tale, and she says she's familiar. The wording used in this scene is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Parallels, they're drawn yes. right there for you. Empata was once a 16-year-old girl, just like Buffy, a girl chosen to defend her people. Because mm-hmm. remember the whole Alpara meeting to defend. Mm-hmm. Yep. From darkness, a girl chosen to die. If it wasn't for the whole ritual sacrifice element, you could almost believe that Empata was once a slayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's, it does, it is similar. 
and Pata's story is Buffy's and vice versa. Both were chosen, neither got a choice. But while Buffy has fully embraced her destiny, and Pata hasn't, never did, which is why she's turned to killing, trading these people's lives for their own. So it's just, oh, it's just, it's so good. It's just, it's. Yeah. And I feel, I feel for Impata so much. Oh, so much. And apparently that's a thing. Like people came up to Ara a lot after the show and they were like, oh my God, you were so good in Buffy. We felt so bad for your character. Like normally we hate villains. We totally loved you. Because she, yes, she is the villain, but she's not evil. Yeah. No, she's not, you know, like, again, there's this is a villain. This is a villain that has a different layer. Like she just wants to be a teenage girl and fall in love with a goofy boy. Yeah, no, it's it's brilliant storytelling. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Buffy goes back to starting to unpack on Pata's things, but she once again protests. She can do it later. Really? See, in one of the trunks is the body of the real Empata, and she's not too keen on Buffy finding that. Thankfully for her, the doorbell rings just then. Must be Xander and Willow. Buffy heads downstairs to let them in. Buffy opens the door and Xander steps inside dressed like Clint Eastwood. Yep. Buffy asks him where he's supposed to be from and he says, (laughs) Leone, that it's in Italy, pretending to be Montana. What Xander is referencing here is the spaghetti (laughs) western. A broad subgenre of Western films produced in Europe, mostly Italy and Spain, in the 1960s, and directed by by Italian directors. Like Buffy, a lot of these films are said to turn the traditional Western conventions on their head, though people still argue about whether that was intentional or just came from the filmmakers having a different cultural background. I love spaghetti Westerns. They're so much fun. Taking a look at Buffy's overalls, he asks her if she's representing the country of white trash, which, okay, that was rude. Rude. Very rude. That was so rude. That was rude. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to give that a strike against him. Very rude. Yeah, he does get a strike for that. Not to mention Buffy looks adorable in her overalls. She does. I never looked that adorable in overalls. I do look that adorable in overalls. You all saw the picture yesterday. Yes, you do. You do. I mean, I look like I'm five, but (laughs) I look adorable in overalls. Yeah. I look like a heffalump in overalls. (laughs) (laughs) Heffalumps are very cute. They are, but I wouldn't want to put them in overalls. She shakes her head and says there's been a change of plans. He and Willow will be taking Ampata to the dance. Speaking of which, where's Willow? Uh, She's not going. With them. Ah, so this is date territory. Romance, lips. Empata starts to come <laughs> down the stairs and Xander removes his hat, completely awestruck by how gorgeous she is in her dress, which of course is supposed to be a replica of the kind of dress she would have worn in her own time. He takes off his hat. Like, how cute is that? He takes it's so off his sweet. hat. Yes. Empata smiles down at him, telling him hello, and Xander babbles something incoherent. <laughs> It's okay, though, because Buffy speaks salivating American boy. (laughs) Apparently, Xander said she looks very beautiful. Xander turns to Buffy and in the same babble tells her thank you. He says, (laughs) he's welcome. Ampata comes down the stairs and stands beside Xander. We see Joyce for the first time this episode, since her earlier scene got cut. And she comes in from the other room, laying a clipboard down on the banister and telling Ampata that she looks wonderful. What's on the clipboard, Joyce? Some shit manifests, maybe? Mm -hmm. Lists of priceless art you're looking to steal? Maybe she has the other pieces of the seal. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chunky bitch. She says she wishes Empata could have talked Buffy into going to the dance. She says she tried, but Buffy is very stubborn. Oh, good. Someone else sees it. (laughs) Buffy and Joyce exchange a cute little look before Buffy ushers Empata and Xander out. 
Just before he heads out the door, Xander looks back and tells Buffy in a quiet voice to be careful. She says she will and tells him that, hey, he looks good. They leave and Buffy starts to close the door, Joyce coming up beside her. Amazing, she says. Two days in America and it's like Empata belongs here. She's really fitting in. Mm. Yeah, how about that? The Bronze, a.k.a. the The Small small Child child Nightclub. nightclub. (laughs) Woohoo, our favorite place. Woohoo. Devin, Oz, and their band, Dingo's Ate My Baby. Dingo's Ate My Baby. Okay, so I did not know until recently, thanks to the horror that was Drag Race Australia, that that was a thing that actually happened. Oh, Oh, you didn't know that? No, because my only other reference was this band. Oh, that's that's intentional, yeah. So they're on stage performing Shadow. Good time for us to mention that the actual band used for Dingo's Ain't My Baby is Four Star Mary. Yep. yep. Also, the little dingo on their drum looks like my baby, Tiba. I love the little dingo. Tiba, Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) You're in timeout. (laughs) (laughs) See, I'm the only one. I'm not the only one who sent you to timeout. I, I mean... (laughs) Mary's been putting me in timeout a lot lately. That wasn't and even my lost. best fun. <laughs> you've lost your point. Sorry. I'm, now still, off of I'm, I'm still blaming the nacho fry dust. <laughs> Cordelia enters dressed like she's on vacation in Hawaii, complete with bikini top and lay. Seeing Willow in her Eskimo outfit, which is very intricate. So she says, good. near faux pas, as she almost wore the same thing. Fuck off, Cordelia. Cordelia, you've been doing so well. Like, not in this episode, obviously, (laughs) but in general. So just be nice to Willow. Yeah. We'll get there someday. Before we go on, I will say that some of the outfits are not the best. For example, one of the Cordettes is dressed in a kimono and geisha wig, thankfully without the makeup. Yes. While in the background of another shot, you see someone walked by dressed like the stereotypical Arabian sheik. Like I said, not the best. But the thing to remember is that the aim of this dance was not to mock these cultures. This isn't Halloween. It's, It's a celebration of these cultures. It's taking part as part of a cultural exchange program. Yeah. A time when the students of Sunnydale are supposed to be learning about and embracing countries not their own. Though both Cordelia and Willow seem to have outfits that represent a state. Well, well to be fair, to be Hawaii fair, Hawaii is her, its own was yes, its own it is, nation. It is a different. It is a different culture, and yes. there are indigenous and, people and to also, Hawaii. Yes, and also the same with Eskimos. The same with yes, the same with the Inuits. Her so Willow's same country, decision. Different culture, like yes. yeah. yeah. Willow Willow embraced it a lot more. Yeah, Cordelia, like Cordelia looks like she's on vacation. Cordelia looks like the regular vacationer in yes. Hawaii. So like it's so yeah, like like Dylan said, Hawaii does has have its own culture because it used it to be a kingdom. Yeah, and it, and then you yeah, have the, the Polynesian the indigenous, culture is very yeah. So, but yeah, like I said, Cordelia just wanted to wear a bikini. Yes. So, should they be wearing some of these outfits? No. Obviously not, but the intention behind them was in no way malicious. Yeah. And also you got to think about Halloween costumes in the 90s were not great. No, Mm. no. I I was just a vampire a lot. And one time a zombie cheerleader because my dad wouldn't let me be a cheerleader cheerleader. I did the gypsy thing one year. I Okay, so the 90s was high school. Okay, I did Guinevere. I did Ozma. I did 
Uh, we did Josie and the Pussycats and we did uh, Sandy from Greece because we had themes every year. Okay. So ah. we had us we had a school-wide theme and then <clears throat> each class would have a theme. So our first year was was it literature and musicals? Like that's why I was Guinevere. Jackie was Amy from Little Women. Um our second year was decades and we were the 70s. Okay. I know. I'm yeah, okay, so sophomore year was Josie. Our third year was letters and we were O, which is why I was Ozma and Jackie was one comma the chosen. (laughs) (laughs) Good job getting around that one. Oh my god. And then our senior year was dynamic duos. And so freshmen were paired with seniors and juniors were paired with sophomores and then the faculty were villains. And then but says we kind of took our own thing on dynamic duo and me and my freshman little sister did Sandy and Rizzo. Oh, that's cool. Jackie and her little sister did uh, Sharon Dion. Oh, Aww. that's amazing. My I'm still, school was I'm lame. still stuck on one comma chosen. <laughs> I just, I'm so proud of her I'm for gonna that. Have to, very happy. But then also, as much as I hate Amy, Jackie is a good Amy. Jackie is a good yes. Amy. One of the other girls asks where Sven is, and Cordelia says she's been trying to ditch him, but he just keeps following her around silently. She compares him to a pet left behind on vacation, saying he's like the dog you forget at the Grand Canyon, one who follows their owner home across four states. As he walks up, she says, see her own speechless human boomerang. But yeah, Xander's the awful and insensitive <sighs> one in this episode. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, again, there's episodes where you can argue that Xander is being shitty. Yes. This, this is, is not, not one, one of them. This is yeah. not one of those episodes. Like, he is intentionally being considerate of people. This Ugh. is a very good Xander episode. I know. Cordelia's friend, named Gwen in the script, thinks Sven is cute. And it's nice to be able to skip all that small talk. Small talk? Try simple instructions. Turning to Sven, Cordelia orders him to get punchy, fruit drinky. <sighs> Stepping away from the others, Gwen says he can follow her. Xander and Impata enter, and Xander leads her through the crowd towards the table where Willow is hanging out. Seeing them approach, Willow laments that maybe she should have worn something sexy. Immediately, Impata is complimenting Willow's outfit, saying she looks great, very authentic. Yeah, she looks real snug, says Xander. Well, that's what she was going for. Moving a bit stiffly, due to all the layers, (laughs) Willow looks around by asking, where's Buffy? At home, letting Giles into her house. (laughs) He's glad he caught her at home, and she says, yeah, not like she'd be at the dance, but the friends, having a life. She looks a bit confused as why he's there, though, as she thought they were meeting at the museum to look for the bodyguard. That's why he's there. The guard has already been found in one of the restrooms at school, dead and mummified. (laughs) Why would the mummy kill her own bodyguard? Turns out that while a guard, he didn't do the mummy's bidding. Oh no, he was there to ensure that the mummy did not awaken. Again, had one job, dude. One job. What was he doing? Like, when... Yeah, like, why wasn't he in the museum? Exactly. Maybe he he just... ordering takeout, okay? Oh, they they did it on his lunch hour? Yep. And that was very rude of them. Okay, so maybe they should have had a couple bodyguards because... Yeah. You know know how expensive this is? They have to teach him magic to be able to transport suddenly behind people. Like, (laughs) that shit costs money. Now I'm I'm starting to think that he got that scar because he fell asleep on his knife. 
Yeah, you know, it might happen. Sometimes like, you just want to cuddle your knife and it ends up going poorly. But not even just that. When does this dude sleep if he's supposed to be consistently watching her? Exactly. See, they know they need more than one bodyguard. And we thought Again, it was creepy that expensive. Coulson was watching Steve watch sleeping. <sighs> well, I mean, <laughs> okay. <it was. laughs> So then Impata translated wrong. Thinking on this for a moment, Buffy says she was wiki about the seal from the start. Heading back up to her room, Buffy goes to inspect Impata's trunks and Giles just comes along. Did Joyce leave? I feel like Joyce must have left. She's She's got her own business. She's got her own business to do. Her own shady business. Stealing a diamond, meeting with her black market book club. Because one... She did not question why Giles was there again or, you know, why the middle-aged librarian is up in her daughter's bedroom. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to assume I'd she left. I'd love to have the middle-aged librarian in my bedroom, but... Oh, yeah, I could, I could work out so many daddy issues on Giles. Yes. <laughs> like, he can give me that look. Oh, give me that look, daddy. <laughs> In the trunks, they find clothes definitely made for a boy. And given how feminine in style and attitude Impata seems to be, that just doesn't make any sense. Breaking open another of the trunks, Buffy pauses. What kind of girl packs a mummified corpse, but no lipstick? <laughs> okay, so, okay, so here we go. In typing these notes, I got really sad for the actual Impata's family for a moment. Yes. Yes. They sent their son off to America on an exchange program and he just never returned. Yeah. Yeah. And as his corpse is mummified, I don't even know if it can be identified. So he'll just be a missing person forever. Yeah. No, that's what I was saying. Like international issue. Like you can't just send your like if, if his family would be like, what the fuck? I mean, look. Look at the pretty little white girls that go missing in Aruba and whatever. Like, you get thousands of people come in to look for them. But here's this poor kid who got lost in America. Like, how do Buffy and Joyce not have the consulate or something calling them? Exactly. To know where the... And I mean, obviously, Joyce would be like, oh my god, this woman showed up. I wonder if going going forward to thinking about what's coming down the line like in season three when we get to all the stuff with the mayor yeah maybe the mayor's office had something to do with spinning what happened you know like oh like if it got to the mayor's office like the consulate calls the mayor's office and then they yeah had like they have their things ready for when stuff like this happens like the gang on pcp see that's how see that's how i'm trying to think like how i'm trying to explain when stuff like this happens because you do I see, mean, it makes sense. Because you do see Wilkins at one point saying, "Oh, you know, we got to talk to what's what's the story where p- the police are are putting out. You know, yeah. what are yeah. we doing with this?" So, like, I could like the consulate would probably call the mayor's office first, or you know, or they would reach out. You know, they they go through channels going to America, and then you know, inevitably, the mayor is probably the one that's going to get the call to try to start investigating it. Yeah. So he gets the call and, you know, he's prepared with, you know, oh, hey, we'll look into this and we'll give you a call back. Once he looks into it, that's when whatever story they decide to to feed them comes up. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That would make sense. 
Back at the dance, Xander asks Sampata if she'd like to, you know, dance. Only he doesn't exactly get the sentence out. Thankfully, she knows what he means and says, yes, (laughs) she'd love to. (laughs) And who do we see sitting at the table beside where they're talking? Jonathan! Jonathan! we get two pretty major recurring characters being introduced in this episode, Oz and Jonathan. I love Jonathan so much. Yes. The two of them move on to the floor as Willow watches, just looking the tiniest bit sad. What she doesn't know, however, is that she is also being watched. As Oz asks Devin who that girl is, thinking he's talking about Ampata, he says she's an exchange student. But no, Oz meant the Eskimo. That's so And his little smile as he observes her, it's so sweet. And apparently the sight of Willow has him, according to the narration, uncharacteristically riveted. Oh, I love him so much. I love him. In Giles' car, Buffy and Giles race towards (laughs) the bronze museum. Probably bronze. Buffy tells him to hurry up. Put his foot down. And he tells her that his foot is down. One of these days, she says, he is going to have to get a grown-up car. Yep. <sighs> Leave his car alone. It's a good car. It's a very well-made British car. It's a, a car. beacon of the British Empire. It is. <laughs> just like him. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have a problem when it comes to child. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. Look, I mean, it goes back. My oh, oh no, yeah, it it goes back to original airings like this. Oh yeah, teenage teenage versions of us. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, at least we're almost forty now doing it. But just imagine us as teenagers. (laughs) I mean, and the bad thing is that like we looked up Anthony Stewart Head's uh, age before this, and he literally is the same age as my mom. Yeah, so like. (laughs) Yeah. He is old enough to be my parent, but yeah. I'm still like, hi. Age yeah. is but a number. Like That's true. <laughs> we are almost as old as he was when oh, the show God. started. <laughs> oh, oh my God, we are. Because what did we say he was in like 45? He, he was, was he? yeah, he was 45 because it was 22 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So we said he was 45. I turned 40 in a few months. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's go back to the small child nightclub. Yes, back to the small child nightclub. And Potter and Xander are still dancing, pretty much having forgotten that everyone else exists. It's a sweet scene, the two of them close, and Potter briefly resting her head upon him. There's even a moment where it looks like they might kiss, but then no. And Pata pulls away as she can feel her hand starting to revert back to its dried out form. She needs to find someone to drain and she doesn't want that person to be Xander. So in an interview, Ara said that the scene with her and Xander dancing was her favorite on screen moment. That filming it just felt magical. And she honestly forgot about the camera and everything else. And she is just cute. She's so cute. She's just adorable, by the way. She says she loved her time on set, that everyone was super great. And actually, everyone also loved Empata so much that they kept apologizing her for having to kill her off. (laughs) And they were like, we wish we could find a way for you to come back. Uh, She also said that, yes, Nikki is a great kisser. Oh, it's so cute. Like, yeah, I... This is one of those times where you actually feel sorry for the yeah. bad guy of the week yeah. because she's just a girl. She's just yeah, a again, teenager. She's not really a bad. She's like, not. She, no. She's not a villain in the sense of like she has evil intentions. Yes. She's just doing what she needs to do to 
survive. survive. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's hard. Like, that's why this episode is hard. Leaving Xander on the dance floor, she runs off, searching the room for someone she can take. And hey, look, it's Jonathan again. Oh, Jonathan. This time sitting on the stairs. Okay, question. So is Empata a bit like Rogue? Can she never kiss anyone? Does any kiss strain them? Or does it only happen when she decides, like, can she choose... I to think, suck out their life force. Yeah, see, the way that I that a way that I felt like it could be was she needed to have a certain amount of life force yeah. to maintain the way she looked. So, like, my thought was that she could kiss somebody, like, because she can touch people. Yeah, and it's not gonna it's not gonna drain them. Well, I mean, but her touch doesn't drain them. It's like yeah. she literally sucks it out. Yeah. So I guess that was like that was I was like, can she? Could she have kissed Xander? Because they kind of cut it off. Yeah. Because she notices the thing going on, so we're kind of left with this like not really knowing if she could kiss him or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hope she could have, because that would have been Me nice too. for him. He deserved that. He does. We're back to Giles's car. Buffy saying she should have known something was up. First, Empata wanted them to hide the seal, then she wanted them to destroy it. Yes, yes, of course. If breaking the seal freed Empata, then restoring the seal will trap her. Giles says he'll drop Buffy off at the bronze before heading to the museum. That way she can grab Xander before he makes with the smooches. <laughs> Speaking of Xander, he's asking Willow if she's seen Empata. She shrugs and not understanding the motion due to all the clothes Willow was wearing. He asks what that was. A shrug. Oh, okay. Well, next time she should probably just say shrug. <laughs> he walks away. And once he's gone, Willow says, sigh. sigh. I just love her so much. I know. She's, She's so the best. Oh. We then see Sven walking across the screen with Gwen, the two of them carrying cups of punch. He said he thought this cultural exchange thing was going to be fun, but look what he got stuck with. Momento. <laughs> Punchy, fruity, drinky. Is Cordelia even from this country? The best part of that is the look on Gwen's face, which is like, we've been asking ourselves that for a while now. <laughs> I love that. I I love how like he just never could get actually say anything to her because yeah, Cordelia. He just thought she was dumb. She thought. I mean, to be fair, in this episode, she is. Yeah. Yes. No. She's not at her best. No, no, she certainly is not. <laughs> Elsewhere, someplace that looks oddly like a bedroom, but is obviously still at the bronze. I mean, look at those curtains. I mean, look at this. Like, they have a lot of, they wear a lot of hats. And Pata attempts to seduce Jonathan, who asks, isn't she with Xander? Does it look like she's with Xander? She moves in close, beginning to remove Jonathan's hat. If we haven't mentioned it before now, Jonathan is dressed like he's traversing the Australian outback. I love Jonathan so much. When she hears Xander call her name, Jonathan says that's his cue to leave and runs <laughs> off right before Xander arrives. He asks Empata why she ran off and she says she doesn't deserve him. What? Aww. Doesn't deserve him. He's fairly sure this whole thing usually goes the other way. That's when he notices she's crying. Tears Aww. of joy, he hopes. She says she is very happy, but also very sad. He asks her to tell him what's going on, but she can't. So she just buries herself on his chest and he does his best to comfort her. Is the reason she can't tell him because it's a secret? And if she tells him, she'll have to kill him? <laughs> His question only makes her cry harder, and Xander admits it was a bad joke. Delivery was off. <laughs> they simply stand together, looking into one another's eyes, and then they move as if to kiss. The pause screen I had it on when I was typing this just reminded me that this is a beautiful shot. 
It's just so beautifully done. It's all backlit with this warm yellowish glow, like a sunset. It's very romantic. It's just, oh, it's so, it's so pretty. And it's, it's beautiful. And Xander deserved it. He did. Their lips find one another and they start to kiss and Pata join him close. Xander's eyes go wide and it's clear she's beginning to drain him. Only she can't bring herself to do it. And so pulls herself away, Xander falling to the floor. She rushes to his side. While in the museum, Giles begins to piece together the seal. A process and Pata can feel. It's not rude. It's rude. It's... I mean, a little rude, but it has to be done. Very yeah. rude. Yeah. The rudest Giles has ever been. Uh, hey. We don't talk about Giles that way. We don't. Well, we don't. maybe Giles shouldn't be rude, and then I won't talk about him in that way. Oh, you're going to get your ass kicked, my small child. <laughs> you are lucky. <laughs> Knowing that she will soon be trapped again, she abandons Xander and heads towards the seal. Buffy arrives, locating Willow and asking where Xander is. Willow says he went to go find Apata. Well, they need to find him, and Pata is the mummy. Really? Good. Only not good. Xander! <laughs> <laughs> okay, an- question. So, what is the distance between the bronze and the museum? No one ever knows. No one, I know! <laughs> and then, I thought about that too. Like, she just, like, sprints over there. Because like- Giles dropped Buffy off at the bronze. And he has time to get there, break in, and start to, to put doing his seal. Thing. Break in, fight off security, <laughs> disable Look, the alarm. I don't think there's I don't think there's any security in this town. I, no, there's no security. No. We no we've security, already no, no alarms. No security. I mean no security of all types in this town. No. Yeah. Maybe in maybe in the gallery. <laughs> in the, the galleries. The gallery is the only place with an intricate security system. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of black market dealings going on. I'm surprised Joyce didn't steal anything from the Natural History Museum. She might she have. Probably she did. might have. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. She might have. Oh, my God. Buffy asks where they went, and Willow says backstage. They head off just as Oz was coming to say hi. Perhaps even more intrigued than before, he repeats, who is that girl? They do refer to Willow as his little Eskimo in the script, as in he watches his little Eskimo disappear. Oh, it's so cute. Oh, my God. I just, I was like, oh, my God, I love this so much. Oh, my God, I love, like, I love little tidbits from scripts like that, like that they are building the thought process. So the sad thing is the script books end with season two and the only other one they do is once more with feeling. Oh no. I know, but we will have, we will have them all throughout season two. Yeah. Which is good because I can't wait to see how they talk about Ethan Rain. I know. Oh, I'm so excited about that. Oh. Backstage, Buffy and Willow find a day Xander who doesn't quite yet understand what's going on as he remarks that was some kiss. Oh. Buffy asks where Impata is, and Xander says she said something about the seal. Giles! Saying they'll fill Xander in on the way, they head for the museum, where Giles is still working on the seal. Impata arrives and creeps towards him, grabbing Giles and smashing the seal once more. She's about to drain Giles when Buffy arrives. Impata remarks that it looks like Buffy has been keeping a few secrets of her own. She's clearly not a normal girl. And Impata is... They fight, moving about the platform, before Empata shuts Buffy, along with Giles, in her tomb. She then begins to head out of the exhibit, only to run into Willow. Perfect! She needed someone to drain. 
Only Xander's not about to let that happen. He tells Empata that if she's going to kiss anyone, then it should be him. She tells Xander they can be together. He just needs to let her have this one. No, he rips Willow out of Empata's grip. If she wants a life, then she needs to take his. So I was oddly reminded of Hocus Pocus watching this scene. Yeah. Because it's it's very similar in feeling to the end where Max is sacrificing himself for Danny. Yes, Which I yes. still never understood why he didn't just throw the damn potion and break the bottle. But whatever. <laughs> well, you know what? When you're a teenager, you don't always think straight, so. Pretty much. Meh. I mean, he was the one that read from the book to begin with, so. I also think that, like, breaking the bottle wouldn't necessarily stop Winifred from killing his sister. Yeah. Like, she wouldn't be able to drain her, but he could. she could still fly really high and drop her. Yeah, she could still kill so, her, like, so. So, like, this definitely gave her a reason to abandon Danny. Meh. All right. (laughs) Realizing she is quickly once again becoming her mummy self and that she has no more time to lose, she goes for Xander. She loves him, but she clearly loves the idea of living more. All the while, Buffy is attempting to break free of the tomb. She does so right as Empata turns almost fully back into a mummy. It seems even with Xander's offer, it was too late. She rips Empata away from Xander, tearing her into bits, her arms staying on Xander, while the rest of her comes away with Buffy. Letting go of the body, it falls to the ground and crumbles into dust. So are we just going to gloss over the destruction of a museum exhibit? Look. Remember what we said about the mayor's office? This is true. That's what the museum gets for not having security guards. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. See, like that's, you know, like I know I like to joke about, we joke about the hell mouth, you know, explaining all of why people are able to do what they do. But I'm just using the mayor's office to explain why nobody's pissed that a natural history museum was destroyed a little bit. Devastated, Xander sits down, kind of staring at his hands. She may have been a mummy, but the person she was, the girl who died all those years ago, liked him. And he liked her. Willow comes to sit beside him, comforting him and waiting for Buffy and Giles to join. Together, they leave the exhibit. Also, what is Buffy going to tell her mom about where Empata went? There are just a lot of loose ends here. (laughs) So many. So many. I don't even have, I can't even explain that one. You know, I can't explain that one away. Joyce is too busy stealing shit for the next week and a half. So she just doesn't even realize that Empata's gone. Yeah. Like, where was, again, where was... Joyce, when the middle-aged librarian came over and went up to Buffy's room with her, you know, like everything can't be explained away. Yeah. For our final scene, we go back to Sunnydale High, where it's clear Xander is still bummed and lamenting over the fact that he has the worst taste in women. He really does. Present company excluded. (laughs) Buffy tells him that Ampata wasn't evil, at least not to begin with. That she was just a girl. Buffy says she remembers how she felt when she first heard the prophecy that said she was going to die. She wasn't exactly obsessed with doing the right thing. Yeah, Xander says, but she did. In the end, she gave her life. Yeah, well, she had him to bring her back. I'm sorry. If you somehow watch this episode and your takeaway is Xander Harris is evil, you can kindly go fuck yourself. 100%. This is a great episode. And this is a great Xander episode. It is. Like, that's why, like, I have so many issues with people using this episode against him. Like I said, like, the one that always always pops into mind is Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Yeah, Yeah. no, that is not Xander making his best choices. That is an episode where you can look at it and say, fuck you, Xander. What are you doing? 
Yeah. But this episode, consistently, he is being considerate of other people. He is thinking about what other people want. You know, like he he makes sure that Willow's going to be okay with him taking Impata to the dance. He makes sure Impata is okay with him wanting to take her to the dance. Like, he is at his best in this episode. Yeah. <sighs> Makes me so mad. Like, yeah, like I... You know, and like I can there, like I said, there's moments where I can be on board with Xander. You're being a piece of shit right now. Yeah, of course. Like every character has moments where you're like, oh, my God, you need to stop. Yeah. Xander tends to have a few more of them because stupid boy. Stupid teenage boy. Yes. But like even Willow, she has some moments that are not great in later seasons. Yeah. And I mean, even when you get to the stuff with her and Xander, you know, around homecoming, yeah, like, she doesn't make her best decisions. No. But yeah, no. to constantly come down on Xander for everything that he does is just ridiculous. Like, no, I, know, absolutely ridiculous. I know we have this thing about wanting to come against every single white male character for everything they do. But especially with this episode, this is not it. This is not this is, no. this is not the time. Like he genuinely liked Ampata. Ampata really obviously did. liked him. Like her whole thing was not wanting to lose him. And speaking yeah. of losing people. Oh, we lost Dylan. Oh no. We lost him a lot later than I thought we would. I was gonna say, so like he held out until the final thoughts. Okay. So my final thoughts for this week, I obviously just want to talk (laughs) about the parallels between this episode and the various mummy movies for There Are A Lot. Surprisingly, though, while the later mummy films all go together, they do not connect with the original. That's a standalone. So we have The Mummy, released in 1932. And then in 1940, we have The Mummy's Hand, which reimagines The Mummy and then launches a series of films, including The Mummy's Tomb, The Mummy's Ghost, and The Mummy's Curse. Of course, there are also the Hammer films done in Britain, the series of movies from the 90s, and the latest reboot, was, was which was supposed to launch The Dark Universe. Mm-hmm. We won't talk about that, though, because I am still angry over it being so bad that The Dark Universe was scrapped because that was just hella cool. We could just also, we can we can mention how fucking awesome Russell Crowe was as Russell Crowe! Jekyll and Hyde. Surprisingly amazing as Jekyll and Hyde. Like that whole thing, that and that is what disappoints me most about that movie. Yes. Is because yes. that was so brilliantly done that yes. it makes me mad that the rest of that movie was so bad. So parallels. Clearly, at its core, the plots are very similar. A mummy comes to life, wrecking havoc in the name of love. In most of the mummy films, this is usually due to the mummy attempting to find his lost love, either trying to resurrect her as well, or trying to find out who she has been reincarnated as. And, of course, in the original, you have Emotep taking the place of the Egyptologist Ardith Bay, just as you have the Incan princess taking the place of the exchange student Ampada Gutierrez. But that's really where the similarities end. Most of the films, save maybe two deal with a male mummy as the main character Emotep or Karis in the later movies mm-hmm. and all are about Egyptians what I found really interesting is that none of these early films seem to include the idea of a tomb guard or a temple guard because when watching the episode I immediately thought of the Magi yes Yes. But no, that seems to have not been introduced until the 1999 movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at their core, very similar, but in execution, quite different. 
Yeah, and I like I do like the idea of having like a line of people that are responsible for making sure that this thing stays buried. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So that's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we take on season two, episode five, Reptile Boy. Until then, you can check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or write to us directly at thewatchdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.